you know, you th some people talk about that movement to three for nine as the, the movement to right action. Like I've heard it described that way, mm. that nines when they mature into three are, are stepping into a space of right action where they're willing to do what's right. Um, and they're willing to be themselves in the process of doing what's right. You know, it's not like they're just like absentmindedly doing something like they, as the person that they are, are stepping up to the plate and, and being the one who makes the choice and decides to take the action. Welcome to Not My Type. This is Jack and Malia as usual, and we're coming at you with another episode. And this time, we're also coming at you with another theory that um, is a, is different. <laughs> Do you want to introduce different. the theory? Yeah, let's throw it out there. So this is uh, a theory called the Soul Child Theory. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I think it's a really interesting and kind of funky idea about the Enneagram. Uh, people have... I don't think like people generally have a lot invested in it, um, but Michael Shahan has sort of like popularized it for the most part. And it's this theory that Sandra Maitri came up with, I think, I really don't know. I've done my research and like tried to look, but it's not like super clear who created this theory. Um, I'm under the impression that Sandra Maitri did. But anyways, the soul child theory suggests that our core type is a neurotic cycle learned after we are no longer permitted to be our growth type. So, so it's it inherently sort of like built, yeah, it, it's, it's inherently built around the idea of movements. And so your type that is the one that you go to in growth. So for instance, like one goes to seven, two goes to four, that kind of thing. Um, the idea is that that type that you're growing to was your soul child. Like that was your OG type. That was, um, what you are meant to be and then through whatever like through natural normal childhood trauma and like the world being the way it is um we kind of digressed into the neurotic patterns of our core type that we are today so that's kind of the the main idea of it but it's obviously different for each type because each type has a different growth yeah and i think it's just like i when i think about my childhood and think about just personally, I would say like, I feel like this whole child fits my narrative as far as it goes for like type. Um, but I know of other people that like my sister is an eight and my parents were just telling me the other day that like growing up, the girl was an eight from birth that she came out kicking and screaming and ready to take charge. And so I'm not saying that this is like unilateral, but I think it's an interesting concept. Um, yeah. I think we should just dive into a couple different concepts. Like, um, the soul child type, I guess, um, as the growth type, isn't like the type you were neurotically. It's sort of like the innocent positive traits of that type um, are the traits that you once embodied. And then we're not, you were told or like someone, someone communicated to you that you were no longer allowed to fill that role or that wasn't the person you were supposed to be. And so then the child becomes an adult who learns a pattern, which I think is interesting because like from the perspective of the soul type, like for example, if we're looking at three and six, like if someone is a six, that's because, um, 
or rather if someone is a three, that's because they were a six in their soul, their soul child or whatever. But if you think about it from the position of a six, like a six devolves into three. So it's almost as if like the child was stressed and then like got stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting that it's a lot of what I was reading about the soul child, like the different types is that each soul child is kind of existing in certain patterns. And it wasn't that they were like necessarily specifically good or bad but it was just they were existing in these patterns like the four like existing in this idea that like they want what they want and very much stating their needs and the world said that's wrong why are you doing that and so the soul child kind of said like oh shoot i can't i can't ask for what i want so it devolves into two and and says well i'm still going to go after what i want but i'm not going to tell anybody that i'm doing that yeah i have to like do it covertly yeah, right. you know, and I think about my childhood and like I, I when I think about when I first even heard of the Enneagram, like the first time I ever saw it and just saw like the nicknames or whatever, I remember just reading the names and I saw the individualist was number four. And that's the way I think of the child that I was, you know, like I think about who I was as a kid and all I wanted to be was something like special and unique. And I was deeply emotional and all sorts of things. Like it was, it just, I think of my child as a very four-ish child. Um, so I look at the way this and I think about the narrative of my childhood and like my parents were just doing their best. I mean, I think a lot of our parents are just doing their best, but um, the narrative I got was totally this, like, you're being selfish, you're being selfish. You need to stop it. And you need to like, there was this big emphasis on serving in my household and like literal like acts of service, like help us out, help each other out. And if you're not, then you're not allowed to like do anything else basically until everything is done. And what's fascinating about this theory and I think gives some weight to it is that you don't suddenly stop doing that, you know, like the two is not actually selfless. The two is still kind of doing the selfish for acts of getting what they want, but they're doing it under a different guise. And I think that's what the soul child, when you devolve into your core type from the, the soul child, you're still doing the same things. You're just hiding. If, if that makes sense. So like, the two is still going after what they want, but they're doing it under the guise of being selfless. And so I feel like the soul child is, the theory kind of suggests that the way to go to growth is actually just be okay with those things that you do. Like be honest with yourself about those patterns and let yourself do them without hiding anymore. I don't think, like for me, I, I don't think of it as like, I don't think of four as a type that necessarily goes after what they want, but I think it's an issue of like being my unique self, you know, like two isn't really under the impression that they're allowed to be their unique selves. Um, they don't have that Liberty. So I don't like, do you really think that applies to all the types? Cause like, I hear what you're saying. I'm just, I'm curious. Like, let's like, let's think about it. I guess just like, like, the about, like going after what you want or what, what applies? Maybe not going after what you want, but just so much the, the general feeling of like, that you just need to be like, okay with it. Like you were saying, like, you just need to be okay with like, what's actually going on. Or were you just talking about two and four? I think that's a, that's one way that some people talk about the theory is this kind of like, let your soul child exist and let the patterns exist without lying about them. Um, But it doesn't, it's not as applicable as that to all of the types, you know, it's not as like, Oh, just let yourself go after what you want. But, um, 
it is this sense of like let your fears like step into what you're afraid of and realize that it's not as scary as you thought so like six and nine Hmm. is a good example of that of the six kind of frantically doing the little things because they're afraid to ever stop because they think if they stop the world's going to explode right and the growing the growth to nine is kind of like hey your fear is that if you stop doing everything everything's going to explode well what if you stop doing everything like go in growth to nine and let yourself calm down and realize that you're not the mechanic of the world you know it's not gonna like cog up and and explode um and so it's not necessarily like pushing yourself to acknowledge your needs but it is a sense of like pushing what what feels like taboo yeah yeah so like i guess we should just go through it like let's talk about three next since we started with two um yeah so i guess three grows into six so the idea is like hidden but i guess behind three is like there there's this part of them that's like secretly very insecure like a six and self-doubting you know and so they have to mask it with like all this hard work and these accomplishments to sort of make up for the child that's sort of like insecure and not very confident and so then the confident veneer is like what's placed over top which i think is interesting i i would be intrigued to see like what other threes think about it i haven't really talked to any threes in my in my knowledge about i haven't talked about this theory with them but threes if you're out there and you're listening let us know what do you think about that because i don't think of threes as like self-doubting or insecure but maybe that's the point and maybe the point is that it's like the veneer is working right and i think i think that literally is the point with all of them that the veneer is working like this this gauze that we put over everything is holding the wound down and it is like effective to a degree otherwise we wouldn't do them and i think for the three with their like lack of showing emotion is also where uh the growth could come in handy of like sixes are very aware of what's going wrong and they're very open with sharing that and i don't c3 is doing that in the same way like their lack of emotion their unwillingness to be reactive in a way that the six can be is Mm. detrimental to them sometimes that's really good that's really good i did not even think about that okay so let's let's think about four i guess maybe it's like the opposite issue for four because like four is is a reactive type that grows to one a competency type and you know and like maybe the yeah. over emotionalized realities for four where like there's this deep dramatic intense experience of life maybe it isn't actually that like that really intense and that there is this like simple cut and dry way of doing it the right way and you know i think like there are some parts of life that are black and white you know like we hear a lot about how like ones need to learn that like not everything is black and white but like sometimes what's right and what's wrong is a simple thing, you know? And I think fours Mm. love to like read into the gray area and like overemphasize the gray area, you know, and be like, nothing really matters. And like, there's like this, maybe it's because they're part of like the four and five connection of like this um, existential gap. But I I think about fours sometimes as being very willing to like, there's like this nihilism to four in a way, because it's sort of convinced of its own like solipsistic existence almost like it's just me and my own little world and nothing else is even really real you know but like one has this deep awareness that there are things outside of them that are very real and very true whether or not they want to obey them so but so thus they need to obey them you know like i wonder if four needs to get in contact with this like this child who actually is like 
good and upstanding instead of being like despondent and inactive, you know, like a child, like reaching yeah. for a child who is like, who knows what they want and is assertive and confident, um, but is also willing to just do the right thing instead of becoming despondent and like inactive. And what was an interesting comment that I read about the one in four was that the soul child to the four in the one was this child that was very aware of what was right and wrong and was very apt to correct everyone and very apt to blame themselves and blame the world. And they were told as a child, you're being too judgmental. And so they realize they kind of devolve into the four by this like, oh, what good was it to say something? What good was it to do anything? Because it didn't work and just people just called me judgmental. And so I'll just like move away from the world and all things maybe, you know, like right. as if that's, I think the withdrawn nature of four, like that, that becoming inactive is an interesting connection. Cause you look at like four grows to one, which is a body type, which is focused on action. So like the, the point is that like four is not doing enough. Like they're not mm. doing as much as they could be doing, you know, and think about the fact that like four is body repressed. So like, it's interesting to me that that movement to, to growth is to a body type. And in the same sense, like five grows to eight. So five, who is yeah. just as inactive, is growing to an even more active type, you know? And you could argue fours are even more, like fives are even more inactive than fours. And I know this is kind of skipping, but even look at nine going to three, it's going from a withdrawn to an aggressive. So they're all, all of the withdrawn types are moving to some sort of action. I think that that's a really big part of their growth. That is interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. And so I guess just like, thinking about five, like eights are so, eights are so involved in the world, you know, like eights are so there and their presence is so, so mm. visceral and they're not afraid to be like, think about the confidence of eights. You know, I don't think of fives as necessarily insecure, but they're still a head type. And I think they're so withdrawn because there's this idea that like getting super involved in life and like getting super engaged with life is a dangerous thing. So I'd rather just like observe, um, but that soul child of the five is, is like a creature that was fully, you know, just like there in the world and asserting themselves and doing what they wanted and just like having fun, but also being fully present and it being a big presence, you know, and fives make themselves like completely absent, which is just interesting. Like, I wonder what fives would say about that. Yeah. And connecting it to object relations. I mean, five and eight are both in the rejection triad. So they're mm. both kind of, cutting off something and and identifying with something else so the eight over identifies with their body and the action and the five actually under identifies with all sense of 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 nurture and care and body and has resigned themselves to their mind to their thoughts so there's like this mm. disconnect with the five between thought and action like thought is purely for thought's sake thought is for insight thought is for depth but it's not necessarily spurring on action and so fives in growth actually realize that there is a connection there is a purpose behind insight it's not just to keep thinking and keep going deeper and deeper but it's actually can be used to move something to to do something about what they're thinking about and and in that process i think they become confident to engage because there's no risk you know like eights have no sense of their own like weakness you know they're so disidentified with it that like the world isn't something to be afraid of and thus they can engage so freely. But fives, I think, could learn from that. It's interesting, like this soul and child th thing, I don't know. And I think it pushes 
into what we were talking about earlier, which is like challenge yourself and what you're afraid of and realize that it's not as scary or as, or your fears weren't as real as you thought they were. Like the five is afraid to engage because they don't want to be rejected. That's why they're so withdrawn. And so this challenge to engage with the world and put their body into it, not just their mind, not just their mental space can be scary, but in, in the end, you'll realize you're not going to be rejected in the ways that you might think. Hmm. That's so good. I love that. We talked a bit about six already, I guess, but just that idea that like, there's a, a nine resting somewhere in the six that is willing to just like chill, you know? And I, I know like there are plenty of sixes who are really natural workaholics. Like it's very easy, I think, for sixes yeah. to become workaholics because it's this constant sense of like prepping for whatever danger is, is coming far off in the distance. Um, and so I wonder what that, like what that child is like within them that is actually totally at peace and totally chill. You know, just that like that nine-ish state of, of comfort and ease. Um, and that growth to they, the positive outlook. Like can... Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, I forget that too, that like there's a part of them that's willing to, to expect that things can go well and that the world is simple and not as horrific as they expect it to be. Yeah. And then there's seven to five, which, hi, <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to get there if anyone knows the roadmap. Um, I think, honestly, the, the big thing for seven to five, the soul child of the five, is the willingness to go deeper rather than more broadly. Um, that is in itself, like, self-control, right? And I guess the soul child connection is the child that was really interested in a few things and was kind of told like you need to be more more out there like you need to be more engaged and the soul child was like oh like I really just like my things but I guess I should be the life of the party or like get everyone hype or whatever and and do all of these other things not just the few things I want to do because it's better to be like well-rounded like I remember growing up all the time hearing that like oh it's much better to be well-rounded than then be really good at like one thing and I really take pride in that like to this day I'll be like wow you know I I grew up really well-rounded rather than like but secretly I've always been really like wanted to be really good at like one thing no I get that that's interesting too because I was I think the seven and five connection is the weirdest movement on the Enneagram I've always thought that I still think that I think it's fascinating and I do think it's real um but it's always intriguing to me so I I was looking up some of what Sandra Matry had written about this connection. And um, it's something that I think is so interesting. Uh, where Let me find it real quick. Here's what she wrote about um, the seven. Within every seemingly magnanimous and happy-go-lucky seven is a very miserly withholding and withdrawing soul child, a little five, driven by a fear of loss and an inner sense of scarcity. She feels empty inside and afraid that no more sustenance will come her way. For all of a sudden, seven's apparent gregariousness, optimism, and interest in life, this young place inside wants to hide from life and connect with it from a distance. Wow. Do you do you feel like that like connects to your childhood at all? I definitely connect with that in general. The idea that there won't be anything left. You know, like don't you can't just take the few because then it will all be gone. Like you have to eat it all, or you have to take it all, or um you have to do you have to do it all you have to do it now 
also it's not just like <laughs> at some point it's like right now you have to you have to do all of the things right now or else there'll never be another chance um i think what i what i really really identify with in that statement was this fear of loss so it's not just a fear of lack but it's a fear of losing what you currently have and Mm. that's why it's always like seems more logical to gather a little bit of a lot because you can always go deeper with the things you have but you can't go deeper with things you don't have and so when you're constantly preparing to lose it's better to gather the the many right and Mm. The downside of that is that you feel like you realize that it's actually very empty to gather a little bit of, of a lot of stuff. Um, and it's not very mm. useful. It's not very helpful, um, especially in relationships as a social seven, like gathering a lot of friends in the end is exhausting because you don't want to tell every single person, you know, like five minute versions of your current life. Um And I remember having that realization that it's so much better and like honestly healthier to pick the few and dive in deeper. And that without even knowing was growth to five for me. And it was a reconnecting with my tiny baby soul child of a five and saying, you know, it's okay to do less. It's okay to have less. And it's even okay to lose things it's not Mm. like you're never gonna have anything again yeah wow that's so I didn't even think about that but that like that fear of loss like you're saying like I didn't think about the fact that like the seven's constant stimulation is a way of like in case anything is lost like if I do lose this one thing it doesn't matter because I have so many other support supports you know like so many other things flowing into me I didn't think about that yeah and I think that probably goes for a lot more types than just the seven like I can I can think of um the not the attachment types probably feeling similar of wanting to stay attached to everyone in a, in a little bit at least a little bit but um mm. that idea of gathering a lot of stuff is I think definitely related to fearing of loss with the with the seven for sure I think it's interesting to look at the way the eight is connected to two. I love this one. This is so fascinating to me. Just because I think, personally, I think eights are my favorite types. That's that's just my own bias, but I think they're so intriguing. Um, but the connection to two is like, there's this innocent child that they had that wore their feelings on their sleeve that was like mm. hyper expressive and really generous and like just kind of effusive with their emotional experience of life and they're connecting to other people. And then it was like, that betrayal occurs, you know, there's that sense of like, I, I can't afford to be that child, you know, like maybe for the two, it was like, I'm not allowed to be a selfish little four. And maybe that's part of being an image type, but for the eight, I think of it more of, it's like a, I can't afford to continue to be a two. Like I have to grow up. And Mm. so the two is like this childlike version of them that is trusting and that is optimistic. And that is like generally open to others at all times and then eights put up this wall to protect that child and become an eight you know in the process Mm -hmm. and i just think it's so intriguing like this idea that 
there's real neediness, you know? And I think when twos are unhealthy, you can sense the neediness radiating off of them. You know, like they don't want it to, but you can sense it. But whereas like when eights are unhealthy, you can't sense their need because they, they don't even want to be heart dominant ever, you know? So I just wonder what it's like for eights to move to that space of like being kind of needy and wanting to be loved, you know, and going back to like that sense of object relations, like that two is sort of the mother, you know, like that, that eight severs that nurturing love and that two, like two represents the mother archetype in general, you know, which I find really intriguing. I mean, everything kind of falls into a timeline in my head. It's starting to, at least with the Enneagram, you know, first there's the instincts and then there's, you know, your soul child that kind of is crafted. And then there's object relations that establishes a wound and then they're the different types respond to that wound and go to their core type um and that's why that lie of i will be betrayed is so prevalent in the in the stress to eight but also the growth to two because it's this maybe it's a lie because you you did feel like you were betrayed and so it's not just uh, there these these lies aren't just there because you're being preemptive it's it's actually there was a cause you know whether perceived whether whatever there was some sort of wound that occurred that formed the lie that then ruined your soul child for lack of a better word and sent you into your core type you know yeah i like that timeline thing i never would have thought of it that way i think that this last one is really interesting to me because I mean, I know a lot of nines in my life, but I, the nines that I know are the ones who have especially connected with the soul child theory. Cause I find it relatable, but I especially know plenty of nines that were like, Whoa, that's so me, which is, there's this idea of like a child who was willing to say like, look what I can do. You know, this three-ish performance attitude. That's like really innocent, you know, like you'll look mm. at kids and they'll be like, watch my cartwheel or like, mommy, mommy, watch this. You know, like there's this like innocence to them in their willingness to just like, show what they can do and show who they are and show where they're going and the nine is like suddenly suddenly become self-aware that like oh i'm being boastful you know i'm being yeah i'm being too much here i'm not allowed to show off like this and so they become something invisible and i wonder like you know you some people talk about that movement to three for nine as the the movement to right action like i've heard it described that way Mm. that nines when they mature into three are are stepping into a space of right action where they're willing to do what's right um, and they're willing to be themselves in the process of doing what's right. You know, it's not like they're just like absentmindedly doing something like they, as the person that they are, are stepping up to the plate and, and being the one who makes the choice and decides to take the action. And threes can seem somewhat disruptive sometimes because they're so willing to push themselves into situations or onto screen, so to speak. Um, And I think the soul child three for the nine was told like, you're being too much. You're like you said, but also like it's disrupting the cohesiveness of what's happening right now. Um, So the, the nine devolves, but that growth to three is like willing to disrupt. It's willing to be themselves regardless of whether Mm. it maintains or disrupts the homostasis not because they're disruptive but because they're they're finally willing to be themselves regardless yeah because they're people 
you know, like that's, I think, I think that's a big part of it. Like nines are people and they would much prefer to act like they don't really exist, but they do, they do exist, Mm -hmm. you know. And what type exists more than the three? Like (laughs) they exist in every sense of the word, you know? Yeah, that's so true. The threes are so there. They love to tell their stories. I was just with a three last night, a dear friend of mine, and he's just like the ultimate storyteller, you know, like he, he's always like that. And to be fair, he, he his trifix is three, seven, one. So he's got that whole, um, like, the let TED me get talk. on a podium and tell you all. Yeah. The Ted talk flavor. But, um, but I think that nines could learn from that, you know, that like the child version of the nine was willing to, to be assertive and willing to just like be themselves and had a story to tell. And, you know, I just love that. Like, I, I hope that nines, nines, if you're listening, I mean, statistically, you are most likely to be listening. Um, tell your story, you know, even like, even if it seems like it'll be annoying, it's probably not. So for ones, um, they go to seven. So their tiny baby soul child is <laughs> a tiny baby, tiny baby soul child is a little seven who is willing to let loose and go party and be free and care. Like that's the way I see little, little baby soul child sevens. Um, but then somewhere along the line, someone said, or they got the narrative that you're being too loose. You're being uh, you don't care enough. You're not being, um, you're not being good. You know, you're not doing what's right. You're just doing what you want. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of this, like, I mean, sevens, I love the image of gluttony for sevens because it is so like food oriented. Um, but there's this movie that I love so much. It's called Ever After. And it's from like way back when, what is it? Like 98 or something. I don't know. It's, uh, it's Drew Barrymore and she's playing the Cinderella character. And one of the evil stepsisters has this moment where like the prince is feeding her chocolate and she's like trying to seduce him. And since it's like France in the 1600s or something, she's never had chocolate before. And he's, it's like been imported from a different country. And he's like, Oh, do you like it? And she says, like it, it's positively sinful. (laughs) But it made me think of this, like this idea that like, there's something about seven's gluttony, like the self-indulgence that can kind of feel sinful, you know, like it's just about me. And, and I think that's why the one is like afraid of that sinful self-indulgence. And and so it's like this overly sober, self-controlled nature, you know? And it's like, that like is kind of literal in a sense too. You know, like I think about, there are some ones I know who straight up will never drink ever because it's like the, their commitment to sobriety is like to a degree where it's like just like it underpins everything they do literally what they consume you know and i'm not a one so correct me ones if i'm wrong on this but i would gather that it's not so much a right and wrong but a letting myself go or not kind of fear like um I don't, I, I wouldn't say that a lot of, and may, maybe this is true, but I would say that a lot of ones aren't saying like, if I drink a tiny bit of alcohol, that's going to be wrong. Like rather it's, if I drink a tiny bit of alcohol, I'm going to become alcoholic. You know, there's this yeah. fear of if I get a little bit of indulgence, I'm going to, it's going to be too much. And so that's why there's this rigidness to the one is because their inner child is like wanting to go free and they're afraid of that they're afraid of what the inner seven would do if they actually let them loose you know if they let them 
do what they wanted they're afraid that it would be too much you know so so they don't let them have anything at all they don't let them have a tiny inch because they're afraid they're going to take a mile you know then that's where that black and white thinking comes in and part of it can seem sort of reasonable you know because like seven in nature as just a point on the Instagram is inherently addictive you know like it is it's so overdone you know it just like jumps in like too deep but to say that you're not gonna do anything out of fear that you're gonna do everything i think is is so consuming and so rigid and you know um and also not not true like it's not like you're gonna do everything on earth because you did one thing um and that is like quote unquote bad everything bad like you're gonna be addicted to everything if you try it once or um i've actually experienced this which is maybe why i'm i'm speaking speaking so much about it because so so ones you can correct me if i'm if i'm projecting onto you um (laughs) but i remember having this fear like when I went to college everyone was like oh the freshman 15 it's 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 real I'm like oh shoot I'm gonna like it's gonna be so bad so I went I I remember going to college and being like okay I'm never eating dessert ever and I had this like super rigid fear that if I ate one dessert it would just be like the end (laughs) the end of me and I would suddenly like eat it every single day and I was straight up afraid of myself that I couldn't control myself so I was like I'm never ever having dessert ever and I did that for like the majority of the of my freshman year um until I told someone I was like oh yeah I never eat dessert and they're like why and I'm like I I don't know I I I guess I'm just afraid I'll, I'll eat it every day and she was like well what if you just don't and I was like that's a great point. It's <laughs> a really great what point. What if you just don't? <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, it's not as easy when it when it comes to like other addictions or whatever. Like sugar addiction is real, I guess. But but I think that this rigidity in myself of like I can't enjoy anything because it'll it'll overcome me is giving too much power to it in the first place. Um, yeah, but so I ex- I see that in myself that like that that fear that that nature to go to as a seven to go to one in in stress of like i can't control myself so i'm gonna be like the most rigid um and the most self-critical but i think it works the opposite way as well yeah and it it makes me kind of think about like something i've been noticing as i've been like collecting songs for the playlists of these types is that there's this big theme with sevens that um like there's something deeply human about sevens that they are in in a way like trying to contact what it is to be human in the richest most like fully explored experience which we actually even talked about in that in that conversation with connor and hannah a bit you know like that i want to try to be human i want to like do it all i want to be it all um and i think that's sort of why like that that is something that the one fears and so therefore like the one is strangely the most robotic and like the least human sometimes hmm well that hmm is a great note to end on so guys thanks for joining us for the soul child theory uh, we just kind of hopped around but i think it was fun i liked it so until now and next time definitely look us up on instagram at not my type enneagram 
email us at notmyshopanagram at gmail.com and um we also if you are still like trying to figure out your type and you're not really sure uh you've been listening and it's it's still really fuzzy because there is a lot going on uh we do offer consulting sessions uh one-on-one with us and you um to just talk talk through some of it and ask us questions directly um and ask jack (laughs) questions directly yeah i mean obviously we're just people that are fallible but um even if like you're not just looking for your type like if you just like want to talk about the enneagram and you have questions about it in general like we're available for that um it's not free but it's also not super expensive because we're not professionals we're just people having fun but um we can call ourselves borderline professionals how about we say that borderline professional um so so book us or whatever for a, a borderline professional session uh, also, don't forget to find us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Give us that review. Give us the follow, subscribe button. Um, and make sure you're sticking around for more content. Okay, guys. See you later. Bye.